This week, we talk security news. That's right, how Turkey's finding Facebook $282,000 over a privacy or over privacy breach. Why the FBI is encouraging not to pay ransomware demands, the top 10 cybersecurity myths that criminals love. DoorDash third-party breach hits 4.9 million users and how bulletproof uh, dark web data center was seized by German police. In our second segment, we have a pre-recorded interview with Stuart Room. He's a partner at PwC and we talk about data privacy, which is really awesome. In our final segment, we're going to air a uh, show trailer or a uh, segment from our new show that was recorded this week. It is the first sneak peek into Security and Compliance Weekly. This episode features the primary host for the show, Jeff Mann, in addition to Matt Alderman, Scott Lyons, and Josh Marpin. All that and more on this episode of Paul's Security Weekly. This is Security Weekly, for security professionals, by security professionals. Broadcasting live from G-Unit Studios in Rhode Island, it's the show where exploits run wild, packets aren't the only things getting sniffed, and the cocktails flow steady. It's Paul's Security Weekly. Effectively securing your organization and its reputation requires a smarter approach. To maximize efficiency and minimize risk, security experts turn to Logarithm, the only leading solution built solely for security teams by a security team committed to your success. With NextGen SIM, user and entity behavior analytics, network traffic and behavior analysis, security automation and orchestration, and compliance, Logarithm provides security made smarter. The question is simple. Have any of the systems on my network been compromised? The answer is harder than it should be. Enter AI Hunter. Active Countermeasures has automated and streamlined techniques used by the best pen testers and threat hunters in the industry to create AI Hunter, a network threat hunting solution that does the first pass of a hunt for you to identify systems that are most likely to be compromised and scores the results on a scale from 0 to 100. You can then research those systems in depth with AI Hunter. Focus your valuable time on the systems that need your expertise with AI Hunter. Sign up for a personal demo today at securityweekly.com forward slash ACM. Are you an enterprise dissatisfied with overpriced analytics software that can't keep up with modern data? If so, then GraphWell is the solution for you. GraphWell is an unstructured data analytics platform for enterprises who demand total data visibility across their network. GraphWell lets your security team go beyond the SIM and fuse data sources to correlate and answer questions you didn't know needed to be asked. Go to gravwell.io forward slash security weekly for an unlimited data trial and gain uncompromising visibility today. And welcome to the show. But first, let me introduce you to a real fart smeller. I mean, smart feller. These nuts. <laughs> welcome <laughs> to Paul's Security <laughs> Weekly. It's episode 622, recorded on October 3rd, 2019, right here in G-Unit Studios in Rhode Island. Unexpectedly making an in-studio appearance for this show is our very own CEO, Mr. Matt Alterman. Yes, I am supposed to be on an airplane home, but ground that's stoppage like, in Newark. I wasn't getting stuck in Newark tonight, so I'm like, that's I'll like go break home out in the an extra chair. I'm staying. We're like, yay! And then we're like, no, you have to call the family and tell them that you're not going to be oh, home. Yeah. Wife wasn't happy about this one. Well, but, yeah, so, nothing yeah, you can do. I, I, I couldn't get home. It was either here or Newark. Yeah, I'll, I'll take here any day. Pretty much. Yeah. Mr. Larry Pesce is here with us as well in studio. Yes, that I am. 
Very nice. Amazingly. Amazingly. Two weeks in a row, the three of us are here. Three, Holy cow. Right? Yeah, two, oh, yeah, yeah, two weeks in a row for both of us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm going on like three or four at this point. Like, it's going to be a lot of fun. Good. I'm, yeah. excited. I'm excited Mr. Lee Neely is on the lines remotely. Welcome, Lee. Ah, great to be here. Wonderful day. Nice to spend about 36 hours in the house before hitting the road again. So there you go. And I get to play with you guys. Y- yay. Yeah. I think. Yay. Maybe. Maybe. Is that illegal in Your some Your backdrop states? changed from earlier today. <laughs> yeah. You're home. He's home now. Yes. He is home now. Yes, from I am. an undisclosed location with a black background, Mr. Tyler Robinson is here with us. Tyler, welcome. Buenos dias, everyone. Hey, it's good. To, you know, last time you, I introduced you, and then I saw that you dropped, and then we got so involved in stories, we ended the segment. I'm like, wait, where did, Ty, where did Tyler go? I forgot to tell everyone that Tyler dropped. I'm like, shit, sorry. Sorry it's about that. Good. Hopefully you can stay for the whole time this time. Yeah, we're good now. Okay. That undisclosed location's got better internet. Gotcha. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, Tyler, that undisclosed location doesn't look anything like what I'd seen it when it was the previously undisclosed location. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, being slightly modified. Yeah, you think? A lot of disclosing and undisclosing. Anyway, the new uh, Security Weekly website is officially live. Check out securityweekly.com for all of the new features, which include the ability to sort and filter our content on our public website. Matt, you must be thrilled. Oh, we've been working on this for so This is Matt's baby. My baby's the internal software we use for publishing. Matt's baby's now the website, which I was happy. I was like... WordPress? <laughs> yes, you can have WordPress. I'm going to go code in Python. Thank you very much. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, this has been a big uh, in the works over the past quarter or so where we wanted uh, a better user experience on the website. Mm-hmm. Uh, n- new menu, new navigation, all those securityweekly.com forward slash whatevers are blah, now blah, blah. all accessible via a menu item pretty much. Um, and then we took all of our old content, uh, we broke it down by shows, and we added... Uh, the ability to sort and filter on that content. So now, if you're interested in PSW and threat hunting, you click, you go to Paul Security Weekly, check the threat hunting box, boom, it'll filter down all the segments on threat hunting. Uh, so hopefully you guys enjoy navigating the new website. We got it out this afternoon. So well, I, 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 this is, you know, it's interesting. This is a problem that uh, not just we have had, but many have had that do a regular blog, regular podcast as you post new stuff every single week. And over time, like, the archive just gets filled. Uh-huh. And then listeners come to us, and they're like, what was that episode you did? I'm like, I, 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 do, I don't even know. Yeah, right. I, <laughs> I, can, I can use search in the wiki just like the best of them. Can. Right. Right. And, that, yeah, and exactly even right. that was very clunky. Very clunky. Yep. And, and you, can cert- you, you can type in a search string, and it will find the stuff. You can, we put all that listener survey, um, the interest list email that we've been collecting. Uh, phase one was to collect it. Phase two now is it's. All the content's been recategorized, and most of it. I mean, there's some older segments yeah. that we probably still need to clean up. So if there's any feedback, I'll, yeah, I'll if we'll you find take stuff that. on our new website, whatever it is, please just email us PSW. No, no, no. Website at securityweekly.net. Oh. Email website at securityweekly.com or dot net. DM me. I mean, there's a million ways to get a yeah. hold of but, uh, we, we created, don't have an official, like... We uh, created an official group today for website at Security We have an Weekly. official group for website stuff, and that's website at securityweekly.com. And it comes to me. <laughs> all righty. So, so you get to triage all the yes, vulnerability reports. Yes, I get reports. to triage all the stuff. It's fine. <laughs> but what we wanted was a better user experience to get our content. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of older articles that were buried in the old post mm. that have now been separated out into an article. And so you can go look at all of Carlos's Perez's uh, 
uh, PowerShell articles from way back when. If you if you're getting into PowerShell, I mean, we tried to clean up a lot of that stuff. It's still, so. uh, I'm looking. It another. looks really nice. 404s, 404s. The one thing I will say is with the new language on the front page and that type of stuff, I can officially call myself a thought leader. Mm. Yeah, you are. You are a thought leader. <laughs> you thought so. Oh. Damn it. You lead, definitely lead some thoughts. <laughs> you guys are funny. <laughs> Those are gonna say, oh, no more XML RPC API either, which is... For WordPress? <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it over still to the rest if API. you run WordPress and you configure it, it's still there, but we've moved away from it, which is just... Yep. Uh, uh, God, this, that API this, is... This looks really cool, terrible. guys. Very yeah. nice. Matt did a, gr a great job. Absolutely. So phase two, yeah. phase three is next, and phase three is the new member site. So that's the one I get to work on now that this one's in production. Going to start working on the... Oh, yeah. Website uh, at securityweekly.net yes. is what it says. Website at securityweekly.net. Uh, Sam and I set notes. that up, so Kay. that's where you... Give me your comments, issues... Bugs, bugs, whatever. Vulnerabilities. Uh, sure. Because people tend to report to those to me like a million different ways. So if we could like website at securityweekly.net, if you find vulnerabilities in yeah. our website and configuration, just right send there. them. We'll get them fixed. Yep. Uh, we have exciting news about our webcast program. Of course, we're partnered with ISC Squared as an official CPE provider, which means every time you attend a webcast with Security Weekly, you get one CPE credit. You can register for upcoming webcasts with preempt. ServiceNow or Core Security or find the archive by going to securityweekly.com forward slash on demand. No, so, it's even better. Oh, it's, no, wait. You go to webcasts in the drop down, registration, and on demand. You don't you even go. need the forward slash. Go to the website, anymore. click webcasts. Absolutely. There you go. Navigation is, uh, is good. Highly improved. I did have another, and, and this another kind of non security thing, but uh, we are a podcast. And Tyler, I was watching you, like you had headphones on. Then you didn't have headphones on. And I know we've got like new hosts that are starting new shows. And so collectively, the team has done a whole bunch of research on like what should we be using for not. I mean, these headsets that we're largely where all three of us are wearing mm -hmm. here in studio are, are ridiculous. Uh, and only because we're here in a studio uh, and this is what we do. Do we buy these ridiculous headsets that you might see broadcasters and commercial television networks wearing and they're not they're not particularly cheap either no, no. It, there's like no level up from this other than i think like a custom contract with a company like bose like the nfl does i think that's really the next level up uh so these are like around 500 dollars a piece um and uh really good and stuff so but when we travel or we have hosts that are traveling or hosts that even just want a home setup yeah they're remote and they're remote I want to talk about a couple of the different options. Um, the expensive option for that um, is the Audio-Technica BPHS-1, which is some of the headsets you've see, seen us wearing in the so past. The one I have at home right? that I use for yep. BSW. They're $200 for the headset, $150, right, or $100 for a Scarlett, mm -hmm. a Focusrite Scarlett Solo or two. Solo's $100, 2i2 is $140. Uh, there's some differences in the um, uh, output uh basically, but you get away with a solo, right? That's the standard. And having done this research again for probably the sixth or seventh, maybe even more times uh, in the past, that's like the de facto standard as best I can tell. So I was like, well, what else is out there? So we've got two other options that we will be testing and hopefully giving feedback on. I uh, found the Audio-Technica 
ATR2100 USB cardioid dynamic. It's both USB and XLR. It's $63. And has a, uh, and I was reading, Johnny was posting, it has, it has a, a head headphone, headphone jack, jack in it? In the yeah. microphone. Mike. What? And it comes with a stand and a cable. And a volume knob on it. <laughs> and For 63 yeah. bucks. And, uh, and I've Holy heard uh, some of my coworkers that actually use them and, and mm. say they sound really good. Yeah, there you go. So we're going to test it. Johnny's so, doing the test. And the other one I'm testing more for travel is a Bayer Dynamic MMX2. That's a PC gaming multimedia. Uh, it says digital headset, but it's basically an analog headset that plugs into a USB uh, audio device. I also like the pluggable USB audio adapter, which is $9.95. The headset, the Bayer Dynamic MMX2, is $34.95. So mm. just if you're looking to get into podcasting or doing Zoom calls or whatever, I thought that might be interest of our listeners to see what we're testing and what we've, I mean, collectively 15 years of research into what we should be using for audio gear, uh, right, culminating into some things that we're testing. Yep. So, and uh, that, that said, I also uh, picked up a, uh, a HyperX headset mm-hmm. for home because I spent so much time on calls. Yeah. And <clears throat> I think it was 150 bucks. Um, and it plugs in USB, and it disconnects, so actual set of headset yep. headphones, yeah. which I could have then plugged into my iPhone and used the same headset from iPhone, and it worked beautifully. Oh, nice. But, of course, nice. now it requires the lightning connector, so I just have it a does. couple of lightning to headphone yep. connectors yeah, hanging yeah. around the desk. For at home, for meetings, <coughs> I use my Plantronics headset, which is USB connected, and then it's a... It, the, it sits on a stand, comes off. At, yep. and I don't know I if it's Bluetooth or what it is, but <coughs> it's great for, for Zoom meetings, but it's not high quality for the podcast, which is why I use yep. the Audio Technica. Yeah. Mine, yeah. mine is pretty darn high quality gaming type headset, mm. and I had to build a stand for it. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't a big deal. It t- uh, uh, two pieces of PVC pipe, so an end cap, a little piece of PVC pipe, and a, and a T that I drilled two holes in the T and screwed it to the side of my desk. Oh, and so you made your own little head. Oh, yeah, because yeah. they sell those, yep. uh, you know, on Amazon and stuff. Yeah, I had the PVC in the shop already, so it was boop, 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 oh. done. Nice. Small donation from some skin on his finger. Yep, exactly. Uh, yeah, that happens sometimes. Occasionally. Yeah. All right. I've got, I've, I've gone to a headset that's got noise canceling in it for when I'm doing headset, because sometimes there's background noise and you yeah. just want to cut it out. Yep. And uh, spent, spent more than a dollar. Yeah, I mean, that's why the Audio-Technica headsets are so great for the podcast. Um, I have a lot of construction around me where I live, and the guys can't hear it at all. Mm. I mean, I'll have trucks outside, beep, beep, beep. They can't hear it. I can hear it, but the the microphone doesn't pick it up, and they're fantastic. That's awesome. We could do a whole segment on on headsets and headphones, Mm -hmm. for sure. Right? We nerd out on that stuff. All right, Uh, But let's nerd out on some security stuff. Uh, Where do you guys want to start? Do it. That's a great question. I did add some stories to the yep. the wiki. One so repeat. Refreshed. Maybe I, I had, did. I had the ten cybersecurity myths that criminals love. I thought this was kind of interesting, uh. and I think it's. I I don't think it's. Uh, it's not one of those typical top ten lists. Um, it, there's some pretty good. I mean, it's stuff that we've heard in the past, right? Like this can't happen to me. I've got strong passwords. Um, I never browse online in unsafe locations. So I can't get infected, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Security costs too much. That's, I mean, you could do a whole segment on mm-hmm. on oh, yeah. that. Um, my data is not all that important, so it doesn't matter if I get hacked. It's Except for the one story of somebody trying to hack a bunch of people to find um, sexual images and stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, the Yahoo we'll guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll save that for later. Uh, so. I have an antivirus. I don't need anything else. Um, oh, uh, yeah. I mean, the antivirus is so effective. 
folks. Uh, some people really think I would know if my computer or phone is infected. That's kind of an interesting one. I mean, oh. those of us that do this for a living know that it it's all about, uh, you know, detection in this capacity, and that's really hard. Uh, securing the network and computers might not be enough. That's a, yeah, true. That is true. Fishing is not dangerous. I can spot it from a mile away. False. Yeah, right. False. I don't even have a computer. I can't be hacked. This is probably, <coughs> of this list, my favorite one because there are people that I've done OSINT on, maybe, perhaps, my friend Bob did, that it's really true. Like, I don't have a computer. I can't be hacked. In fact, some people are like, I, I don't know how to send. Like, the text message thing is too much for them. Yeah. So they're like, you got to call me. To do business with me or to hmm. get a hold they of me. They still use the flip, phone, flip phones? Yeah. But the interesting part is your friends and family, likely some of them, I mean, not even one of them, like more than one of them likely have a computer and can be hacked or at least have an online profile that allows me to gather enough information to be able to attack you in some way. Yep. Now, now maybe not even attack you, but you can still be a victim of cybercrime even though you don't have these types of things like i think about my mom in, in her later years uh she didn't have a computer mm -hmm. she had a flip phone that she didn't know how to send text messages on mm -hmm. um she doesn't a, 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 B, B, B. yeah exactly mm -hmm. uh which i have which is an awesome burner phone um she mm -hmm. didn't have a smart tv uh trust me i'm throwing out all of her tube tvs mm -hmm. now mm -hmm. uh and they because she needed the big ones, so they weigh like three or four hundred pounds a piece. I Johnny, was going to say that. Johnny Mark. <laughs> Freaking heavy, dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, they have like 300-pound TVs because they're like I actual tube TVs. Mm -hmm. uh, Sony Trinitron flat. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. No, like... Oh, oh, those were wicked heavy. They still are wicked heavy. <laughs> <laughs> Ask me how I know this. Uh, uh, but, uh, the laws of gravity have not changed. Yeah, <laughs> But... Uh, she could still be a victim of cybercrime because stuff from anything she's conducted with businesses or her information could have been stored elsewhere. Right. Like any of the places where she got prescriptions filled at CVS or wh whatever pharmacies she used. Stayed and, at and a hotel. Yeah, stayed at a went hotel. Went on an airline. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Had a credit card. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I, I guess I took... Tyler, are you still there? Yep, I'm here. So I, I took this from an angle, like if you're targeting someone to see maybe they've done something wrong, maybe you're doing an investigation, whatever it is, and they're like not using the internet. If you find people in their circle that are using the internet, you can then dig into their information, which will reveal information about that person. And I think this one kind of struck a chord with me in terms of law enforcement or just investigations uh, in general. Tyler, I really want to get your thoughts on this and as to uh, like the risks involved and the things that we can do as security professionals to help basically find bad people that are like, well, I don't have a computer, I don't use the internet, so therefore people can't find the bad things I'm doing. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely one of the ways that we target them um, when we're doing like investigations or we're looking for someone that's you know, maybe using better OPSEC than normal. Mm. Um, it. It starts a lot with targeting their family, their friends. You know, the hard part about that is from a security standpoint, like us as security professionals, 
you you can't really tell your mom she's not going to post pictures of the grandkids on the internet, right? Like, right. That's I not really I mean, I mean, you she's can, not going to tag you. <laughs> you. I mean, you can, but they're, they're not going to listen. listen. Yeah, I, I mean, when I first started coming, it's a great point, Tom. When I first started coming on Facebook, you know, some of my family members were like posting all this stuff, and I had to like duck out of Facebook so they wouldn't like tag me and all that stuff. But even if they don't tag me. You can infer relationships in a, a million yep. different ways. Right. So. Yep. right. Uh, like I love those commercials, like with the old ladies, uh, and they're like, "This is not how that works." And one of the old ladies is like, "Oh, I posted pictures to my wall," and she has thumbtacks and she puts pictures on the wall right. in the living room. Yeah. And, and I, I posted a bunch of pictures online, and she's got a bunch of pictures hanging on like the clothesline outside. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah, that's how it needs to be. Mm. That's how it should be. I mean, you also take that like a step further, right? Like you connect, maybe you're not on the internet, maybe you don't have a whole social presence, but if you're doing anything, I mean, even as simple as banking, right? You end up, you end up connecting to wireless, probably your home wireless, maybe mm-hmm. your family's wireless somewhere. Uh, you're you're with your family somewhere. You've connected to the same uh, wireless. You you're within the same vicinity as a lot of these people. Uh, so the, all the ad tracking stuff that has the ability to leverage SSID geolocation, uh, leveraging your, your ad tracking data, tying that to a mobile phone ID, uh, that then maybe be able to be correlated with say SSIDs within range as yeah. you're traveling across, you know, even the cellular networks. You know, so all it, of these are not I, yeah, I find good. it interesting. So I, I, along these lines, I was doing some uh, research, and we had watched a presentation last week uh, by Jesse from Compass, and he was talking about the various APIs on these IoT devices. So, and one of his devices was a Google Home. So now I'm like, I'm a little curious, because largely I've kind of ignored some of the IoT stuff, because it was just as like, basically same shit, different day in terms of security, Right. But this kind of piqued my interest as I do a lot of programming that interfaces with APIs today. So I'm like, all right, now I'm curious. So I'm like, I got these Google Home devices in my uh, home network. And I'm like, well, I, I researched them. Like, they have a local API. I'm like, that's kind of cool. Like, what can, I, what can I get from that? Turns out someone's already done the reverse engineering for me. It's sweet. <laughs> but it's like two years old. So a lot of the calls now do require authentication. One of the interesting things I found is... Not just Google Home devices. So the first thing I found was NVIDIA Shield devices listen on the same port, 8008, with the same APIs, with largely what I found the same API calls are still valid. And you can query these devices and get a list of neighboring Wi-Fi networks, for example, right? Then you can also, if you have, before you used to be able to do this without authentication, which is frightening. Now you need authentication. And I'm... Not sure what the authentication is. My guess is if it's IoT, it's probably not that hard to figure out what I need to do to authenticate. But um, So I get a list of the surrounding Wi-Fi networks. I can then issue an API command to that port and have it connect to a different Wi-Fi network. So that means, to go back to this story, like maybe you do have a computer in Wi-Fi, but you're super locked down. Now I just hack into your neighbor's house, and now I can access your Wi-Fi from your neighbor's house. Like that's to me that that style of attack is really cool. That doesn't require me as an attacker to be in physical proximity of you or deploy a device or even gain access to something like a PC where you have a monitor and keyboard and you know maybe some software that you or maybe you turn it off every day, right? Now mm-hmm. I just need access to maybe your phone and pivot into some IoT device and then I can pivot into your neighbor's house. Like to me that that's really cool. 
and scary and scary at the same time. Yeah, I mean, there's there's also I mean, there's there's data sets that that we leverage that have, you know, the ability to correlate these mass quantities of you know disparate information, mm-hmm. uh, and we bring those and bring bring those into an in-house solution that we then can correlate even further. You know, anything from a simple cellular phone to a probing SSID. Uh, or say you're at an airport and we know you tweeted you were eating at this place and within inside this restaurant. Well, we can you know look at some of those data sets where we're looking at ad tracking data, looking at the devices probing within that time frame, and then start to correlate phone numbers, IDs, and track you know both right. forward and, and back. And of course, you've got a super complex AI and machine learning algorithm that does that, right? No. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. percent, definitely. Uh, yeah, called, it's called uh, Tyler. John and, no, and, Bob. It, and what I've realized recently is working even within our own data sets that you don't need that fancy machine learning, like. Really, just a, some relational databases will do, right? To be able to do that correlation, it's really just using technology that's, you know, decade more, multiple decades old, right? I don't know when the, to pretend to know when the first relational database was, uh, was was put forward and, and created, IBM right? DB2, probably. But it was a long time. Probably, like, Lee probably remembers the first databases, right, Lee? Well, of course I do. <laughs> yeah, you want Cobol, to talk Cobol, about DB2? Do you want to talk about DB2 or IDMSR? Right. D- I right. worked with DB2, but way after it was for, I mean, in the 90s, when was D- DB2 was probably, what, 70s, late yeah. 60s, maybe? Well, how about, do you remember ISAM databases and Fortran? I do not. Not that old. Nope, like. not quite that Index old. Index central axis methods. Very similar to Berkeley DB and Unix. Right. And it's a, and, and so Todd, I so mean, it's a, and, a, and it's a good thing Lee's reading from Wikipedia because he's clearly not that old. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, to, to tie this data together, right, is I not using any kind of new technology, right? You're just bringing in no, data sets and correlating them. Yeah, it's right. a lot of it's a lot of the old school way of doing, you know, hard analyst work where you're mm-hmm. just correlating disparate data sets. Uh, the technique and where you get the data may change a little bit here and sure. there, but for the most part, it's just the people doing the analyst stuff that was, uh, that's the real magic, honestly. Mm-hmm. I can oh. do it in Excel with some macros, I bet. <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, I, but to your point, Matt, what I, I realized, right, is that Excel is really just like a glorified database, right? I mean, it's... Yeah, it is. Tables and, can, and col- you know, columns and rows. Yep. Oh, you can create a data set in Excel. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then you can do all kinds of interesting pivots on that data and other things and create some macros. There we go. Oh. oh. Don't, don't say those management-type things. You'll scare him. Yeah. Look, Tyler just revealed himself. Woo-hoo. And he's frozen, so behind it's even the better. Scenes, behind the scenes look. It's even Whoa. better. So going back to something you said, Paul, I heard the other day, machine learning requires Python. AI requires PowerPoint. Yeah, <laughs> I thought yeah. that was a good definition. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, where do we want to go next? This uh, FBI article is interesting. We were talking about this earlier, and it will be on the next segment w- with the pre-record with with Stuart. Um, is the FBI says do not pay ransomware demand. Stop encouraging cyber criminals to target others. Um, oh no, we were talking about it on our uh, our, our roundtable that we proved. Yeah, we, yeah, we did so ransomware. much content today. Man. I know. I it, lost track of yeah, where I we lost, talked. About. I lost track. We did a roundtable with the cy- day from the CyberWire. Right. Yeah. Which will air later. Um, 
but we were talking to ransomware, right? And we've seen this trend <coughs> shift a little bit. It, when Florida, there was a number of cities in Florida that were being uh, held for ransomware and they were paying the ransoms. And they were in the hundreds of thousands of dollars and cyber insurance was covering the ransom and they were paying them. And then we saw some really interesting ransomware cases in New Bedford, Mass, and down in Texas. I tell Matt, it's New Bedford. New Bedford. There's no R. No, New, New Bedford. Bedford. Right, you drop the R in the middle of a word and you add it at the end of a word. Correct. Yes. Like data. Cor- idea. Yeah, right. Idea. Data. Yes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and even better, when you start talking PCI. You mean it, even it's, better. It's card holder data. Card holder data. Card holder data. Data. <laughs> Pot hold of data. Yeah, you just move it around. Just <sighs> shift, shift, yeah. right. Right. Anyway. shift the bits. And so, but then when we saw these attacks in, in Massachusetts and Texas, these ransoms went way up. They were like in the millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. And both of those um, specific attacks, they didn't pay. They decided to recover. And so now you have this article coming out from the FBI saying, don't pay the ransomware because what you're doing is you're just encouraging the criminals not only do more of this, but potentially even demand more for these ransomware attacks, yeah. which is interesting. See, I, I think this is the next, like, or this is the thing that we're dealing with. I think in, like, really early 2000s, maybe even late 90s, we were dealing with email worms and email viruses, right? Yep. There was the I love you and, Melissa, you know, uh, Anna Korakova, like those kind of... Then those very quickly transformed, especially in 2003 time frame into worms network worms right that ran around and exploited those things and we there was a big hoopla a lot of people lost a lot of a lot of money a lot of downtime right i don't know what iteration there was after that but now today the apts it's APTs, it was APTs. whatever it is the but APTs. now today it's ransomware right and and mm-hmm. and that's what they're doing and i i think this is just an evolutionary what is tyler doing he's like all over the place Tyler, you you've met Tyler before, right? This, I is, have. this is not this unusual. Is Ty- this is Tyler. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is vintage Tyler. Right He's here. like wiring up his video and audio like on the fly during the show about yep. eight times. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, like I said, vintage Tyler. Totally, okay. v- totally vintage Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, this is just the thing right now is ransomware, right? Right. I, and it's this is really sc- I mean, this place is going out of business because of ransomware. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty scary. Anyway, well, there was a there was a um, interesting story the other day about a follow up to the Baltimore ransomware, where they were basically saying, you know, you guys didn't know where your data were and therefore weren't backing it up. And I thought that was actually an interesting point of view that you be the pr- our primary protection for ransomware is in good incremental backups. And if you're not backing all the crap up, mm-hmm. what the hell, right? Right. No, it's exactly right. We were talking about that. It, it, is backup into... really the silver bullet here, though? That seems like um, a reactive stance, though, right? That's crap. <laughs> well, I mean, I, 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 I haven't really done... Now, enterprise, so let's talk about enterprise. Or maybe not... All right, let's talk about enterprise. Enterprise-level backups I haven't done in a really long time, right? But I mean... If you gain access to a system, it likely has, again, I think this goes back to app user data and trust between services mm-hmm. and systems. I have access to potentially the backups as well, or maybe uh, not. But, I mean, there's but, a lot of variables yeah, here. Now, that said, if you're, uh, you know, the last time I dealt with enterprise backups, you were st- we were still putting stuff on tape, mm-hmm. and you were mm-hmm. either storing a Rotating copy on, on tape in, in-house yeah. and or off-site. 
And yeah. that said, if you're getting hit ransomware for millions of dollars, think about the cost of pulling all those tapes back from your offsite storage and restoring that. What is that going to cost? Wait, do people still use tapes for backups? I don't think yeah. so. Do yeah, they? They most do, of the time, it's in, most of the, time it's in the cloud. Uh, well, let's put it this way. Right. If they weren't, Iron Mountain would be out of business. Right. Oh, paper so, paper record storage, but still, Iron Mountain invested a lot of money in tape storage and individual tape stuff. I bet there's still people using some tape out there for long term. We were talking the, earlier that is ransomware... Is it still tape or is it USB? Like, w it wouldn't be easier to go to a USB backup well, storage rather than... L a, LTO 4 is still a thing, isn't it? Lee, Lee you're, yeah. I can hear your voice in there, right? Yeah, of course it is. They're, they're, they're still putting backups the tape although more and more like tyler was saying they're putting they're encrypting it and putting it in cloud storage somewhere probably a low-cost cloud storage really yeah. bringing the tapes back isn't the pain in the ass the pain in the ass is recovering from tapes yeah there's usually a <laughs> yes. closer online storage you start with before you go to the go to the box right so services like glacier and others are meant to be a way to do that in mm -hmm. the cloud um, it's but you slower, need to, but you need then to, you have to be able to bring it back. You need to be able to yeah. preserve. So it, technologically, is this like really an easy thing to combat ransomware? Like basically, you need to make a backup, <laughs> encrypt it, and basically make it read-only. And make it so even if you gain access to those systems, you can't overwrite it. Mm -hmm. But then there well, needs to be some authentication to be able to pull that backup back and restore it, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, the, the the model is more of a continuous backup model where I've got the backup from 615, 617, 618, just right. containing what changed. And if I got hit at 617, then I want to go to the backup at 616 or before. Right. And you so can, this is a solvable problem. It is a solvable Because I realize that, I've, that ransomware has taken over my systems because I can't use them anymore. It's a pretty instantaneous right. thing. It's yeah. not a stealthy thing at all. Yeah. Right. It, you know it's instant user feedback. It's like, okay, yeah, i got to go back before this point in time and I can yeah, you, restore. And more importantly, not only do you need to restore from like the 615 backup, you need to do restore from the 615 backup, take it offline and solve the root cause. I agree, Larry. Right. Wholeheartedly. Yeah, you gotta <laughs> fix the root or you're going to be doing this all I, the time. And what we so if, oh, if yeah. you don't need an advanced backup solution to combat ransomware. No, you those solutions a, exist today. Code, for, uh, right. well, what code, code 42. Code 42 yeah. You need and, a, a, yeah. Yeah. a good backup system, nothing advanced, right? And then, like Larry said, you also need a process that when a security event like ransomware happens, you need the ability to restore, Door. pull yourself offline, and... If you don't have the talent in house, call someone and say, mm -hmm. "Before I put this back online, like, Geek's tell me, oh. like, you know, like how their ransomware. I mean, we, statistics are out there about ransomware, how it's, you know, yeah. a handful of vulnerabilities basically in Windows systems that represents the vast majority of ransomware. So fix those issues. So, yeah, the other thing, the other use case in the that. Baltimore story though was that there were things like, you know, say the the authoritative copy of the financial records are on Matt's laptop and we're not backing up Matt's laptop. Well, there's a fucking problem yeah. right well, there. There's, problem. My there, right, there's your problem right <laughs> well, there. there. Well, there's your problem right there. Here's your sign. <laughs> that's yeah. what happens well, I, when you have shadow IT. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Big, the, the big problem becomes you... Hold on, Tyler. You end up paying. So the, the problem the companies end up having is you're paying per gigabyte to back this stuff up and mm -hmm. You're really making a you're making a decision or a business decision around what data you feel is yeah. critical. Mm -hmm. uh, for something like a, a lot of these counties that are getting hit or the state government stuff that's getting uh, popped, 
you're talking about a bunch of you know a small budget with a lot of data that is almost right. all critical yeah but they can only archive so much of that and back so much of that up yep. so some of that's going up to the cloud some of that's going to on-site storage and then the rest of that is you know usually a configuration error where you know you may have court records on there that, that get encrypted and, and, and that and becomes tyler, a, a big issue tyler i'd argue that and again it's been a little it's been a hot minute since I've looked at any of the pricing, but I'd argue that the pricing for cloud storage for that data, especially if you're doing it rotationally like you were with tapes, is probably pretty comparative gigabyte-wise cloud storage versus what you'd pay a third party to come and pick up your tapes once a day. Yeah, I mean, Glacier's pretty Oh, yeah, way, cheap. way cheaper. Glacier's yeah, so Matt's got a great cheap. point with Glacier. I think it's the kind of the unknown player in this space, yeah. right? Because you can store a ton, and if you're not accessing it, your costs are pretty low. Pretty low, and it's because it's not real-time storage. Yeah. It's meant for backup, and it's pretty inexpensive. Because we've talked, I mean, you think about the past 15 years, how much content we've created, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we don't need to access I had to recategorize it all, it all. Yes, I know. <laughs> like, we may run a script, like I'm writing for our software, and go, yeah, like these three episodes across all 600 like we need to just pull those and refresh them here or there, right? And yeah. so I, the, uh, what I really think is that the when we talk about uh, the departments of education, municipalities, state, uh, so county and city and town government, state government, I think that the federal government should have a program so that the states can take advantage of that program. And then the cities and towns can take advantage of the state program and it trickles down so that the infrastructure and education, right? So the infrastructure for this country and apply this model to other countries, the infrastructure for your country can take advantage of a, a good, what we've established, a good backup solution so that if you get <laughs> ransomware, you at least, you know, 98% or 90 plus percent can restore without issue right i mean then there's still a cost that when you do get hit you neither need to have the expertise or call an expertise to do forensics figure out why you got hacked but i think a program like that on a country by country scale could be very effective in reducing just like we did with email just like Mm -hmm. we did with all the worms it took us time to rally around and Mm -hmm. create a system that just made that attack not worthwhile so they move on to the next thing and then of course we just basically open up Pandora's box all over again with yep. the next one. Yeah, yeah, so on that point, there has a bill has been passed in the House, mm-hmm. and it just passed the Senate, I think, this week, uh, where DHS, um, one of their programs, is actually slated to actually help out the states uh, to do aspects of this to help the municipalities, et cetera. It's got to go to conference and, and reconcile between the two bills, but we could see some legislation coming out to actually address aspects of this. And the president this. has veto power. Yeah, on but this bill, I, I think he, yeah, but I think he would I sign this bill. Would, yeah, yeah, I, I don't see why you wouldn't sign this. I think this one. This. I think it's coming out. I think it's one of the DHS programs, from what I read. Yeah. Um, and I if think, that bill came together and got signed into law, that would give some resources to the mm-hmm. states and then the municipalities. That's going to take time to trickle through. Sure, correct. But that might be one way to thwart this. The other thing we talked about earlier today was you have to treat ransomware like a natural disaster almost. Mm-hmm. And we, we started yes. talking about business continuity disaster recovery planning. Sure. Yes. We've forgotten about BCP and DRP. And <sighs> a lot a, of organizations. Which is a shame. It, it is. is. 
and and well, because September 11th, I think, really sparked those conversations yes. around I, disaster recovery. And the, and the sad right. part is, we, we now almost we, 20 years later, we, right, Larry? Right, yeah. We tend to do this, yep. and then right. whip, well, it's, yeah. it's, cyclical. Mm-hmm. it's cyclical. Exactly. And so, if you think about a, a natural disaster like a hurricane, and you lose a facility, mm-hmm. it, ransomware is almost the same. Same, yeah. Right, and so. Having good business continuity and disaster recovery plans in place could mm-hmm. actually help you prepare for a ransomware attack better than not having one at all, right? Which includes backups and the ability to restore and understanding your minimum downtimes and all this other stuff. We've almost forgotten about that as a core oh. discipline to security. Mm. And you, honestly, I think there's so many organizations, even as a core discipline of security twenty in the last 20 years, I don't think they saw it as a core discipline of security. It was business continuity mm-hmm. and not a security right. function, but can be used so much for security. When I was back in but, healthcare, right. that was part of my job responsibility as the manager of IT security. I was also responsible for their DRBCP. Because yep. it's about resiliency. Yeah. And yep. that includes disasters or security Recovery events. Recovery is of one of the domains in the NIST cybersecurity framework. Yep. But it's it's a non-sexy domain, and we don't focus on it a lot. Mm-hmm. I would I would actually challenge to just just pass that. Like, why are we looking at this as a as a reactive thing? Like, most of these most of these ransomwares are happening because we don't start with the fundamentals. Like, why do we not have <laughs> like host to host? host-based firewalls or segmentation rules so these don't spread like mm-hmm. how is this stuff accessing you know core data that should be only accessible on like a, a database port that's not a like 20 SMB. year old problem <laughs> t- uh, tyler and we right. still haven't solved it it's we, we've been talking about this for 20 plus years and here we are we're still at the same point yep yep uh, i i see this back and this is exactly a 20 year old problem then you know to to draw a parallel uh, i was uh talking with a friend today uh, and he said uh, that they're uh, undertaking a uh, IPv6 migration project in their organization. Uh, and their estimated time frame is between 15 and 30 years. <laughs> what? <laughs> I shit you not. I shit you <laughs> not. But now the FBI says don't pay ransomware demands. Yep. Because you're encouraging Oops. other ransomware attacks and you're going to see the price go up like we saw in some <sighs> of these attacks. A few weeks ago, they're saying don't pay. You remember when the first ransomware attacks were like, "Please send me what bit one Bitcoin," mm. and a Bitcoin was like three hundred dollars. <laughs> now see, this is, this is the now real problem with this. Yeah, the real problem is you have the cybersecurity insurance that is that is uh, covering all of these ransomware attacks, and and you're required by like Percy, you know, for for state and federal stuff, you're required by your insurance to carry a certain level of that. Right, but. These people are negotiating. Like I don't know if many people. I don't even know if this is public, but I'll call them out. The yeah. a lot of these people are negotiating as part of the the team that goes in and helps as yeah. underneath of the cybersecurity uh, insurance, and they're paying to get some of this data back, and they're just yeah. adding it as a line item invoice and saying that you know we're not negotiating, we're not paying, and technically they're not by all intents and purposes, but, but they, are. they are paying for certain certain bits of data. So that's why the encouragement for a lot of this ransomware yep. to continue going is there's high insurance values. You know what's interesting is uh, if you've ever read the book Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. Yeah. Yes, it's, on, it's on my, it's on my F- list. FBI's top in- international hostage negotiator, yes. right? Uh, he's like, we, nev- we don't pay the ransom. Never. 
Never. If someone's kidnapped and he's going to negotiate with terrorists, he's like, paying is not an option. You know why? Because once you pay, whoever yeah, they're always, holding hostage is dead, right? They're, 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 and you'll no always use. be expected to pay. Right. It's so... Yeah, you set a precedent you can't get away from, right. and that's what's happening. And Tyler, to your point, cyber insurance policies will pay out a certain amount. In the case of New Bedford, um, New Bedford, New Bedford, <laughs> the New ransom Bedford? was so high, their cyber insurance policy didn't cover it, and they counteroffered with like what their cyber was it two hundred thousand. It was a, it was like four hundred thousand. Okay, they they countered at four hundred thousand because that's what their policy would pay out. And in, in the rant, the attackers turned it down, and that's when they walked away. But I don't understand mm. that. You're an attacker, and you're like, look, I'm asking for, what was it? One two point, and a half million. Two I and a half million. Okay. So they counter at 400,000. So now your option is I either take zero or 400,000. Why wouldn't you take 400,000? Are they trying to set There's precedent that they're not going to negotiate? I guess. I think, that, I I think that's really. How, how would social... anybody know? <laughs> it's true. Well, yeah, and that's the other thing. What, it, you know, what, what incentive has the hacker got to give you the, the keys? I mean, you're, you're, you're going to take the payment before you deliver the keys. So, yeah. And it's all anonymized. So what the hell? Right. Yeah, take the 400,000 and say, screw you on the, giving the encryption keys back. Right. Yep. But we know who we could go ask because the Germans just um, captured a, a dark web data center in Germany. Oh, this one. Did Lee, you was that? Lee sent me this and like, that's my kind of data center. Yeah, yeah. it's an old NATO um, bunker. bunker. That was pretty interesting. So if we want to know, we can go ask these guys like, hey, what do you, why didn't you take the 400,000 and call it a day? Right. Because <laughs> there's like seven people in custody. That well, are believed part to be of it is disruption to too. Yeah, part of it it's is. like, yeah, money's money's great and and all, but now that we're disrupting another nation state's infrastructure, mm-hmm. that's that's cool too, right? Yeah, for yeah, them, that's true. Not cool the, for us. The downside of them taking over the data center speculation is that it was just a small inconvenience till they relocated those services in another equivalent data center. Mm. Um, yeah, basically, we took down we took the down the their disaster recovery, right? <laughs> <laughs> they have a good DR plan in place to make sure that they survive. And what was the hosting? Well, I'm sure they do. Who was the hosting pro- uh, bulletproof? Yes, it's right. a hosting Bullet- provider, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of like DigitalOcean kind of thing, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Th- this sort yeah. of rem- this sort of reminds me of that that whole uh, Nation of Sealand uh, thing. That uh, yes, that uh, you, you, we got this data center in a bunker underground. But who's providing internet service to those folks? Just could deal with the providers. Was well, Sealand that like someone <laughs> created their own country yeah, on so, an so island? Yeah, so Sealand, of, Sealand was right, a yeah. uh, it was a World War II um, outpost off the coast of England. Yes, um, that was in international waters. Um, that uh, uh, Prince Roy went and took over. Was it Prince Roy? It was like a, a loophole yeah. that they, they yeah, basically yeah. created and their they, own country, and they, right? and like they, the Isle of Man. Yeah, and they wanted to turn it into a data haven uh, in the nineties. Uh, but the problem is, is that the only way they could get internet there was through a provider from the UK mm-hmm. that could lay cable, and they, the UK government said, "Yeah, these guys declared independence. You can't, you can't deal with them." Hmm. So they could, they literally couldn't get internet connection there. So they had to find wireless ways of doing it to other countries. Yeah, now they was. just they probably launched their own satellite and then right did it that well, way. Well, yeah, the the data haven thing didn't take off because, well, they had a fire. 
<laughs> and well, you're, you're a mile offshore, and uh, well, it was only a mile offshore. Yeah. Wow. Only a mile. Only a mile. <clears throat> but uh, and then they uh, uh, Russians uh, they uh, took in a Russian business partner, and then uh, the the former English colonists uh, the, the the English colonists went and went off site, and their Russian business partner was there and took it over. Uh, and they had to storm the country and took it back over with a single shotgun. <coughs> Seriously, you've read a lot about this, well, Larry. Well, so I'm, so yeah, I, I've read a lot about this because it was his country. Yes, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's my country, man. <laughs> so right here, right You're here, there's a citizen, citizenship yeah. card coming out right, right now. Right, right here in the in the wallet is uh, I have my identity card from the Principality of Sealand. That's <laughs> <laughs> I shit you not. Uh, it's also not legal to. You had that. It's awesome. not legal to fly uh, domestically uh, with this because I tried to use it as my ID to get on the plane at uh, Reagan International Airport. Well, and I was all right. Well, I gotta there's, know why. there's a bunch of driver's <laughs> licenses that are soon not going to be valid to fly <laughs> exactly. domestically either. Exactly. So, so uh, I was uh, flying out of Reagan for a SANS conference. I was flying home, and I had it. And I'm like, I wonder. Can I use it? So I get to the TSA line, and there's nobody there. There's literally no one behind me. There's no one in front of me. I'm the only one there. At Reagan. At Reagan. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Never happened. And, uh, <clears throat> and I was flying south. No. No. It was, probably it was At the time, probably it, was American. US, it was U.S. Uh, American. American. Yeah. U.S. Air. Uh, Which US was American. U.S. Air, now American. Yep. yep. Uh, and the, uh, a younger uh, TSA agent checking IDs. Uh, she's probably in her late 20s, early 30s. And I handed it to her, and um, she looks at it, and she says, Wow, I've never seen one of these. Where is this from? I said, Oh, this is my identity card from, uh, from Sealand. Sealand is an independent nation off the coast of the, the UK. I've never heard of this story. I'm very fascinated. And uh, she says, Oh, I'm sorry. I can't take a foreign identification card other than Canada or Mexico. Interesting. I said, Oh, that's cool. I got my driver's license right here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but... Uh, I presented it. She looked at it. And she's like, "This is really cool," but I can't take but it. I, but, but I can't, I can't take, take it. it. You but should try it, and if, if you're ever flying home from London, see if they'll take it. That was a UK. better response than, uh, <laughs> "Please come with me, sir, and wait." In yes. This room. Yeah. Right. Exactly. We're and gonna give you the glove treatment. Remove all of your clothing <laughs> in exactly. a room with a single. What would Josh Wright say? A single folding chair with just a single light bulb hanging from, <laughs> yes. from the corner. Yeah. Yes. That's well, not a folding that. chair. The chair is built into the wall. Yes. <laughs> it's concrete. It's yeah. Concrete. It, it yeah. Ask Tyler out from the wall. Ask Tyler how he knows this. Like, Sounds like you're speaking not, from experience, Tyler. Yeah, and it's not a random check for me anymore, unfortunately. Interesting. Pre-check you know, would be really nice for as much as I fly. Some airlines charge extra for that. Right? <laughs> and some of them give it to you for free for flying way too much, like me. Right? <laughs> yep. Well. Not only do they cover my pre-check, they cover my clear now. Because the pre-check lines oh. have gotten so crazy that United said, if you are at this level and higher, we will pay your clear pass. Really? Yeah, so they cover wow. mine for free. So, now. Do, so does Delta. Wow, that's nice. It's really see, nice. but you have to be able to get through clear pass and <laughs> for that to work. Well, my <laughs> fingerprints actually work, Tyler. I don't know about yours. Oh, they they work. <laughs> they work. They used to. No, no, they still work. They're still your fingerprints. That's the problem. <laughs> now it's interesting. Here's a second uh, study of IoT devices that basically says everything is. Vulnerable. Well, insecure. we covered this on ESW. We we but had this a, is a different. So, Cyber yeah. ITL completed a large scale survey of software security practice in the IoT environment by looking at the compiled software, hence 
4,956 firmware versions. Um, finite On state average, updates were more likely to remove hardening features than add them. Within the 15-year data set, there have been no positive trends for any vendor. MIPS is the most common CPU architecture, mm -hmm. although there's, at my last count, around a dozen or so versions validate yeah. this of MIPS processor architecture, mm -hmm. roughly, in that, in that general ballpark. Mm -hmm. uh, there are a large number of duplicate binaries across multiple vendors, indicating a common build system or tool chain, which, if you've ever tried to build anything that has to do with MIPS... If someone's <laughs> figured it out, you're using that shit because it sucks uh -huh. big time. Uh -huh. yeah. Wait. And then it, um, it, who do we interview? It was Finite um, State. Matt Wickhouse from Matt Finite State. Wickhouse. They did. I like Matt. Whole, He's awesome. Yeah. They did a whole analysis of all the Huawei gear. <laughs> almost 9,000 firmware samples. Uh, it was somewhere close to nine, almost 9,000. Nine, Million um, the amazing part binaries. is I, I, I uh, ran through my list with Matt, which is very similar, I would imagine, to everyone. You know, uh, Larry, Tyler, and, and everyone who does like offensive IoT stuff, right? It, we all have those lists, like basically authentication, uh, validating firmware updates, mm -hmm. uh, insecure mm -hmm. protocols. Uh, are the like the top three, open right? Open source, um, yeah, open source vulnerable components, yep. buffer overflows and binaries that aren't open source but so, create store, storage of credentials and clear text on the devices. Yeah. Web, yep. web are they doing it dynamic or static too? Like uh, they're yes, doing both. static and dynamic. Yes. They built an engine to ingest the firmware and analyze it. Just like There's a um, great report out there. It's not Tactical to, Network Solutions now, who's the data tribe company. It's, that, it's uh, they just took funding. Uh, Refirm, Terry, Refirm Terry Labs, and Refirm, Refirm, Craig, Refirm Labs. Hefner and, and Terry something that it's I can't... Re, I'm sorry, Terry. It's refirm. You're it is awesome. refirm. They just took another $2, two million. million in seed yeah. money yep. on October 1st. And, yeah. Yeah. and, and a very small number of companies in that space right. doing that There's research. Like basically coming them. to the same conclusion, basically following the script that I just outlined for and basically finding that everything is vulnerable in the IT space. Yes. It'd be interesting to see so. what the comparison of the, all the Huawei stuff was... Uh, it's Huawei, Cisco. Larry. So, Huawei. 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 Sorry. Huawei. The, uh, the uh, the compar the <laughs> comparison of the Huawei stuff to Cisco two to eight x more than other um, similar gear in their based on their report. Interesting, a lot of vulnerabilities, a lot of backdoors, two to eight times more. You go to finitestate.io, it's a free download. Report. Cisco has their yeah. issues though, but I tell you what, there's. But if you think at about least, but every, but if, like you, if you think about if you think about the time when Huawei allegedly stole Cisco's code and then sure. did their own fork, right? Whoa! I, <laughs> I, it, the Cisco <laughs> Talos, Talos team is amazing. But yes, Cisco product security. Every other week, they're fixing some vulnerabilities. Now you could look at that two ways, and I think the first way that I'll talk about is wrong. In that Cisco has lots of vulnerabilities. Like no. We're hearing about them because they're fixing them. Right. And that's and, a good and, thing. And, and something that we talked about a long time ago that I still see as the case is where are these vulnerabilities in the Cisco stuff being discovered? They're typically being credited to their internal QA teams. Yeah. Because the possibilities for configuration options on these devices are so massive mm -hmm. and that it requires these totally incongruous configuration things that should really never happen to cause a reload uh, because they're doing fuzzing significantly after the fact, even after the devices have been released. And we've we've talked about that for a really, my, really my long assessment time is Cisco. We Cisco, talked about it today I, on largely our Largely, Cisco's got their act together. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's not to say there aren't vulnerabilities that maybe they don't know about that mm -hmm. right. threat actors are using. Because they, 
the other problem is their threat landscape is so large that that's inevitable, right? But they are one-eighth to one-half of Huawei. Really? Because Huawei's on the consumer side rather than more Cisco on the enterprise I side? I don't know. I don't know. Well, Huawei's Huawei was, got a lot of enterprise accounts. Uh, yeah, Huawei was touted as enterprise the US. to the yeah. U.S. No, to the yeah. U.S. government. Really? Yeah. Why do you think the U.S. government can't purchase Huawei gear? Yeah. Because the U.S. government was purchasing Huawei gear <laughs> for oh, enterprise. Yep. And yeah. so, it, you know, this is just another of these reports uh, this is broader than what we covered on ESW yesterday. Is that a cost-saving thing? Because they can manufacture it cheaper in China, yep. basically. Yeah. Is oh that what gosh, it was? Not like, yep. I'm not yeah. looking into this too deep or whatever. Yeah, like you just shove it into a sweatshop and they're cranking the stuff Shove it into a sweatshop yeah, in China on. and they can produce gear at half the cost well, of what Cisco can, right? Yeah. Well, if, you, if your government subsidizes you, you can produce things a lot more cheaply. Mm-hmm. Especially when you peg your currency to the U.S. dollar and always make sure it's in an advantageous position, mm. which is what the Chinese do. That doesn't happen. Is that, no, like, kinda, doesn't is happen. that like kind of similar to Cuban cigars? Like, basically, you have a job with the government, and that's, you know, you make uh, a very small amount of money per hour to produce cigars, and everything is subsidized by the government? Or is that, much. Is that more socialist? It's, yeah, but, but Cuban is a socialist nation. It is, yeah. yeah, yeah okay. And that's why. And you so, see the same so thing in China. China. China is a similar Russia model. Russia does aspects that. of this as well, not as much as they used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but China is huge in doing that. The, you know, that's why Huawei is one of their biggest enterprises, is also flooded with a bunch of government people. Because their costs are low. They're, they're getting subsidized selling, from the government. Right, they're yeah. selling overseas. They're making money hand over fist. They're employing millions of people or whatever. Almost a billion. Re- get, get out. Not Huawei no, by no, themselves. No, no, no. no, no, no. <laughs> the government, Chinese government. Right, the Chinese Infl- government. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. <sighs> I find it fascinating. Anyway. So, I, one of the interesting things in that study, I didn't realize there was as much proliferation of MIPS CPUs. It said, you know, it's the most common architecture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I used MIPS it is. back. Along, I thought I thought MIPS was dead and gone. Stick a fork in it. No, MIPS is the most most common. I would right right behind ARM. Challenge challenge me on this one. MIPS, in my assessment, is the most common processor for IoT processor architecture. Now that encompasses a very large family of MIPS MIPS processors. processors. I would put ARM probably second, and then uh, Intel-based architectures probably third. In IoT devices, yeah. Do you I, largely I, I, agree? I di- I, and I would say, yeah. if you're looking at the percentages, uh, Intel a distant third. Like, yeah. if, oh if, yeah, if, I if agree. You, if you're yeah, talking it's percentages, and arms if, if you're talking the percentages, majority. it's yeah. like 60, 30, 10. Intel. There's a lot of there's a lot of overhead and optimization that MIPS does for <laughs> for routing and firewall stuff that yeah. Uh, yeah. come in come into play as well. So not just not just cost of the actual chips themselves, but the no, well, uh, their optimization for the platform. And they're multifunction, right? Because I can get a MIPS chip that does my CPU, it does my my LAN or, or wired Ethernet as well as my wireless processing all on one yeah, chip. So and it's, chip again right. manufactured and, in China. And, and I can and, get it yep. cheap, and I can put it in my router, and I can sell it on Amazon for forty nine ninety nine. dollars 99 You've got Arm, a couple in your Coton firewalls at and, one of yeah. them. And, Ar- exactly. and ARM is now a very similar type of thing if you think about uh, Raspberry Pi type architecture Yep. Um, with those Raspberry broad, Pi. With the Broadcom chipsets. Those are, those are the, all ARM. the game of ARM. ARM. Yep. Which I think is well, good. I, I don't know. I find 
Here, ARM here. to be a little more stable than right a here. lot of these MIPS. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you guys <laughs> agree? Like ARM to me is a little more stable and reliable than Absolutely. some of the MIPS yep, architectures, they, you know, right? Ar ARM right there. I mean, it, is that a Pi Zero? That's a Pi Zero W. Yep. 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 Ooh, it's the W. Yeah, it's a W. What's the W? Yeah. Well, yeah, I, the Wi-Fi Wi with Wi-Fi. Yeah. Wi yeah, and Wi I, and uh, and Lee, I found uh, I could order these on Am in on Amazon, and I didn't have the one device per order restriction. I ordered five of them. Whoa! And I could actually do the I could do the drop down to twenty, but I really only needed nice. two, so I ordered five. Now, how small a display? That actually makes a lot of sense that. for you. Well, wait, how small of a display? Well, uh, let me show you. Funny, you can, funny, I asked. Funny, you asked. So, I'm just curious now. Raspberry Pi Zero W. Yep. What's your cost, and what's some of the functionality that's included with that? Uh, so, uh, these were twenty bucks because I got the official case with it. That's the way I could order it. Mm -hmm. um, but they're they're under ten bucks. You seven yeah. to ten dollars a piece, and it's an ARM. ARM-based processor and uh, a reasonable ARM-based processor as well. Um, if you think about the, so we had the Raspberry Pi 1 and 2, you're probably right around the 2 level, which is still very, very serviceable. Very capable. I have but Raspberry smaller Pi than a 2 in uh, footprint By about size. a quarter. Yeah. By yeah. about a quarter yeah. size. Yeah. And, and here's an e-ink display um, for, for one of those devices, and it is, in fact, the exact same size as the Raspberry Pi Zero W. Ho, 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 ho. Yep. That and a Bluetooth keyboard. Yep. And he's hacking. Oh. Yes. Uh, At the very least, scroll, hopefully not naked. Scrolling, scrolling SSIDs of what's well, in, in range. So the, little, the reason yeah. why I bought these is, is a project out there. Uh, uh, it's, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it is effectively, uh, you put this on the header, and it's a Wi-Fi hacking tool right. that you power with a battery <sighs> that, uh, in the sides. Um, and I'll dig up... Uh, uh, I'll dig that project name up right now mm. because that's why that's I bought awesome. this stuff. Uh, and I, I want awesome. I want to say it's from the same folks that did uh, Better Cap. Okay. Ooh. Stand so. by. I will have that name for you. So can please continue, and I will. Uh, yeah. So we shall uh, verklempt while you search yeah. Google. But so what about? Did you catch? You remember the OMG Lightning cable that came out at uh, DefCon this yeah. year? It, it was out a little bit before that, but that was, was sort of readily and available. There's still press yeah. covering it as if it's something new. And uh, well, I know Kevin Mitnick was uh, kind of a, uh, attached to that uh, whole project. Um, I think it's very interesting. I kind of confused of why it's garnering so much attention now. Well, it's because know about because. It, because Hack Five is a, is putting it in their store to buy it for forty nine bucks. Yeah, because it's readily available. I'll tell you. I'll tell you why it's why it's such a risk, Paul. And I, I actually did an internal and a, a a talk at kind of a private conference around it. It's one of those like things. Internal, like internal exam or like what? No, like yeah. internal like, to the federal yes. government. He can't disclose. Who You'll feel a little or a private kind of or a private company. So an internal exam. Okay. Um. So the. The cable itself poses, I think, the intro to a real big problem, which is going to become uh, we're going to have to adopt a zero-trust model, uh, and not a zero-trust model of all of you know the software, all the, the hardware that's coming as a full computer, but now are we going to have to adopt a zero-trust model of our Ethernet cables that are getting shipped from – uh, you know, your $1.99 Amazon store or all of your charging cables. Uh, are we building botnets now that can uh, start hooking phones and eavesdropping? And so something that is innocuous and looks so much, 
you know, it's hard to distinguish whether or not it's a real cable or not. Uh, That has now put the paranoia and the and the the real risk out into pretty much everything. At this point, are we trusting HDMI cables, which have the same kind of capability? We trusting uh, our charging cables for our phone? You know, that's I think that's just the start of what's going to become a bigger issue for like the zero trust model and. Then are we going to, as a corporation, are we going to have a policy that does not allow your end users to bring a charging cable to work? Right. We uh, were, or, we were, yeah, because we were these fighting. Are, these are problems. BYOD. Now we're talking about <laughs> BYOC, bring your own cable, right? Because yeah. this has an embedded tiny Wi-Fi uh, transceiver that can operate as an access point or a wireless client. When the victim plugs it into their computer, an attacker with radio distance can connect to the cable with a mobile mm-hmm. app and use it to manipulate the computer. <laughs> it's a pretty yeah, interesting uh, attack vector. And they come I with mean, a little, like, a remote. You can use your phone, like, with an app on your phone, or, or they have a remote. I, I've got one right here that just, it's phenomenally and really well-built. It's mm-hmm. hard to tell, like, unless yeah. you, like, dissect it. So the question I is, mean, we've been mo- telling users, don't ahead. trust things. I mean, does it bypass the you-have-to-trust-it kind of actions? But I think, it, I think for, for charging, though, I think... And it's it's hard because now we need more kind of stuff in our hardware in our arsenal. <laughs> if you're just charging something, uh, a great solution to this is you've got something that sits between the device or you know electrical outlet that's supplying power and the cable that only lets power flow through, right? And those are readily available today. I don't think they're very mainstream or widespread, largely because the threat until now hasn't really been out there but the the caveat to that for me if i think about when i need data from my phone is when i i go into my car and i want to listen to i'm a spotify user when i go into my car i want to stream spotify on my way to work and listen to my music mm-hmm. or i want to stream an audiobook or a podcast now it needs access to data and that's where they're going to get people. And now it takes always over that, like one scenario, mm-hmm. right? Now right. that all our headphones are no longer just analog, ugh, and it kills me. No, well, I mean, to a certain extent, you do get better quality get. audio because it is a DAC, right, mm-hmm. in there. And but now all of this is going through this one charging port that needs to transmit data. And so, yeah, I, I see the point. It it can be an increasingly well. effective attack vector. Well, that and you, you think about the cable in your bag, like inherently I know I have a white cable in my bag that is my cable that I trust because I think that's the cable that is in my bag. If I can't tell the difference between an evil cable, it, it's very trivial for a professional to swap that cable at any given point in time. See, I love this because most- now I can cost justify to the people that like approve my budgets sitting next to me that I need custom cables so that I don't succumb to these attacks because I, 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 I love I, I love custom cables. I, I will say I didn't do custom, but I just replaced every uh, lightning charging cable on our house with uh, the Anchor mm-hmm. uh, Yeah, cable. I like Anchor. Oh, those are nice cables. Cables. Anchor makes well, some nice the, uh, the big like, one? Uh, cloth uh, sleeve, yes, sleeve the, ones. Those are the nice. ones, yeah. and they were, they were like 20 bucks a piece, but you know what? They have a lifetime warranty. Mm-hmm. Because oh. all those ends that fucking break? Oh, yeah. Yep. I I've had plenty of those. I, I bought these. They were like... I don't know, five ninety nine for like twenty of them, and there is little plastic coils yep. that you put on the ends of all your cable. And I went to all the cables that we use all the time, all of my personal cables, and I put those on all of them. And, and not just because of the cost so much, because cables are cheap, but it's the pain in the ass of if you're stuck in an airport like Matt almost was, or 
you're at an event and I need to pull out a charging cable to charge my phone with my battery pack and then my cable's dead mm-hmm. because yep. the end has is, is come oh, loose. Yep. I just put right. on all my cables. Again, it was like five ninety nine for 20 of these things. It's yep. great. I just replaced uh, all five of our lightning charging cables at our home dock. Mm-hmm. Uh, one for my office, four for my truck, two for Kristen's car, and one for Corinne for her travel bag. Yep. It was like $220 on lightning recharging cables, but wow. lifetime warranty. There you go. You're, did you forget your jump bag? Uh, the no, bag I you didn't. take with you on the road. I did not. My jump Sorry, bag is was, in my bag all the time. All an attacker right. has to do yeah. now is make cables that look the same way. Right, and, and then swap right. them out. Exactly. So the, nice, the, the other nice thing is they come, you know, USB-C, they come right. uh, micro, they come lightning, and like... It's a standard freaking cable. I've actually mixed one of these up once, and I had to plug it in and execute to figure out which one was the real one. (laughs) (laughs) That becomes a problem. So now you you need some colored uh, electrical tape, and and you mark the good ones, not the evil ones. Right. Yeah. Because if you mark the evil ones, fucking game over, man. Then people know if you swap them out. Yeah. Right. Uh, to take a quick step back, uh, the project is the Ponagachi from Evil Socket, who mm-hmm. is also the developer of uh, the lead developer of uh, Better Cap. Uh, and uh, Ponagachi is an AI that learns from the Wi-Fi environment and instruments Better Cap in order to maximize the WPA key material, uh, including PMKIDs, uh, full and half WPA. P- WPA Do I dare ask captures. what Ponagachi means in Japanese? Well, you know what the Tamagotchi was, right? <laughs> no. Tamagotchi yeah. was from the, the 90s with those little, the early 2000s rather, with the little uh, bubbles that you had to feed the little pet. Oh, yeah, get, yeah, oh yes. yeah, yeah. Yes. So yes. instead of a Tamagotchi, it's a Ponagachi. Gotcha. And it learns and has that whole thing for, for WPA. Um, so specifically, uh, it does lots of fun things. They can talk to each other through advertisements over a parasite protocol on top of uh, 802.11. Uh, and there, his reason why, for hackers to uh, reinforce, lo- reinforce learning, more Wi-Fi networking, and have excuse to take a walk more often. And it's cute as fuck. But a, pa- <laughs> a, a parasite <laughs> protocol? Is that like Telnet? Is it? No. no. <laughs> oh. Yeah, so effectively, uh, if I remember correctly, he's using uh, 8 to 11 beacons uh, to transfer data over mm-hmm. 8 to 11 beacons mm-hmm. uh, in some of the extra information awesome. elements. Yeah. <coughs> so, yeah, I, I bought enough to build two just to, to play with, especially where they're so small. Hey, my plane leaves in nine minutes if it were only here. Lies. <coughs> Fucking lies. <coughs> lies and lies and more oh. lies. All right, what else we got? Anything? Yeah, oh, uh, just, uh, my my attack clipboard, clipboard data. This is relevant to other one that I had, uh, Paul. Uh, yeah, tell me about that one. This is uh, the th- one th- that th- I didn't this read. This is Thanks your for story. picking on that. You're you're welcome. Um, you know, I I don't know what the miter attack clipboard data is, um, but uh, certainly, yeah, clipboard data is very valuable. Uh, to folks, I mean, uh, we we've shown that in Guardians with some I of our other control projects. I use Control C, Control V all the time. Exactly, <laughs> and then uh, Command C, Command V. Sorry, I'm on a Mac. Yeah, yeah. or Control oh, Shift so, yeah. C, Control Shift V, or Control V. It's going v through all the different uh, attack frameworks that steal clipboard data. Yeah. Yep. Dark <coughs> Comet developed in 2008, and all these different things. And I, I guess what piqued my interest was um, LastPass. Exploits yes. that are stealing clipboard yep. data. Doesn't even need to. I'm a big LastPass user, and Duh. I hate the fact that 
In its latest versions, is it still vulnerable to basically clipboard attacks? You're copying to the clipboard. So mm. yes, but they they do clear they do clear the clipboard after after paste now. Like you can't double you can't double paste. Interesting. It's good, oh, but it, but it well, still it, but it still Sorry. ends up in the clipboard until you paste. It does, and apparently there is some di different API calls, and they do try and leverage some like kind of like their separate keyboard. There's a few discrepancies in the way that they handle their clipboard and the code they use, but it's still. Uh, if the attacker's tool is written right, it will it will manage to grab everything that it needs to grab. Yep. Yep. Sounds like you've researched this extensively, Tyler. This is why I he's on no the show now, right? I mean, uh, yeah. He, yeah, he's doing this stuff like daily, like yeah. Larry is. Yeah. And, Ty Tyler, right? do you still follow up with Adam on uh, his stuff? Uh huh. Uh -huh. Yeah, there's, yeah. He's he's definitely. Uh, continuing on a lot of his work and and there are other actually open source projects out there that have uh, leveraged some of the yeah. very similar techniques so yep, absolutely. to gain access to the clipboard do, uh, what level of permissions and code execution do i need can i be executing in the be... browser and access the clipboard that all browser tabs and browser windows have access to so that would typically be the system, the the system clipboard, or well, that would be the user, yeah, the uh, user inside user land clipboard. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, but from from system, you can you can hook. In multi-tenancy environments, there's ways to hook uh, from the system other clipboards that then can pull data out of you know, different areas. That that becomes more interesting when you're talking about things like. Uh, hypervisors or terminal servers yep. uh, where you're actually having multiple users uh, on like end-user desktops, then the context in which you're running is typically where you're trying to steal the clipboard right, from. user, yeah. Yep. Yeah, which is typically right, but user. That, I mean, if it's a browser exploit, I can execute code you can, you can as, a, you can execute user, as the but user. But like yep. within JavaScript from a browser, I can I access the clipboard of other web pages the user is accessing or... Does that depend it, on the browser and their operating system? It depends system. on the browser because I think and, Chrome, and, and Chrome would, isolates and, and, and it's parts not, of that. And it's not that it's a clipboard per web page. It's a clipboard per system or per logged in user. So like you, so load, you load a web page and you do a control C from mm -hmm. that, it's the system clipboard, not a web page. Not something inside the browser. No, that, yeah, no it's, it's, okay. it's stored thing. in the user's clipboard. So, user's clipboard, the, so yeah. I have to be able to execute code as the user. Correct. Yes. Not yeah. You need browser. user access. And, and then, well, that's, uh, and, that's good. And, but and Tyler, I don't, I don't know if you thought about this one, and this is one that drives me freaking nuts because I've been working on SAN's um, uh, virtual machine for 6.17 lately, is uh, having a, uh, an evil virtual machine that can pull that clipboard as well, especially if you have uh, file sharing, file and copy-paste sharing uh, between the two, because I'm so doing a lot of, of the, back and forth between the two. Yeah, that's one of the only ways that we've uh, we've exploited some you know high high security, high sensitive areas where they're using jump servers. Um, yeah, yep. is through through the clipboard. In fact, uh, Adam, like I won't call him out, but I'm going to call him out because he needs to be more public. But yeah. he's he's Wait, written Adam, some very very we're about Adam Crompton. Adam Crompton. Adam Crompton. Not, not, not Adam Crompton, who we work yes. with the Tenable, different person. Yep. Adam, Adam Crompton. Different person. Yep. Yeah, Mr. Mr. Encoder himself. Uh, he's the Decapitator. Specific, the Decapitator. Yeah. He's written some C2 that actually leverages the clipboard in between virtual machines in order to do command and control. Because uh, a lot of the secure environments were not able to do, you know, we're not able to do anything between those environments. And the only way to get communications through there is to either control the, you know, whatever GUI 
uh, we have access to, which is often not available. Uh-huh. Uh, so we have to leverage the clipboard and to be able to pass commands to and from the clipboard, pick it up, pass it back to the system, interpret it, have it do an action, send something back to the clipboard, do an action on the other side of that. Um, it's it's pretty novel as far as how the, the attack works, but it's probably one of the only ways that we could come up with on a lot of our uh, ICS or our highly secured uh, assessments. Hmm. Yep, and uh, for the record, uh, it was a start as an InGuardians project, and I hope Adam has forked it and continues development. Uh, it's the InGuardians uh, Invoke Clipboard uh, project on GitHub. So yep, he I, has oh, he has continued it. Good. I really I really hope he's forked it and continues to. Uh, and hopefully, calling him out, he might uh, continue to to do that and bring that more limelight for everybody else. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah, I see that. The, I see there's a fork. Uh, oh, some forks available. So um, good. Oh, and it wasn't uh, it wasn't Adam that continued to uh, to fork that. So no, it wasn't. <laughs> but good. He should. Uh, it, it's out there. Please go uh, uh, do so. Uh, the reason why I thought this was uh, pretty interesting uh, was that uh, we've uh, there was some uh, new malware identified that is using uh, a Mossad stealer uh, using Telegram to steal cryptocurrency by accessing browser passwords and clipboard information. I'm like ooh, and again, not not new things, right? Yeah, like these are these are things that that have been in many of the the toolkits of attackers for you know a long time uh the fact that these are getting automated and or called out to some of the public as part of you know one of the apt guides or one of the uh known now miter attack uh new framework pieces then i think that's that's super helpful from a blue standpoint to understand you know all of these different attacks and not just hear about them and not correlate them or have a reference point to to try and protect against them but i think it also it's starting to numb people a little bit as far as like, oh, this is a brand new, uh, a brand new novel thing. Like they're starting to think that all of these things we've been telling them for the last ten years hasn't been a thing, and you know you need to watch what you plug into your computer. Well, you've yeah. got to watch what cables you're plugging into your computer. You got to know that your clipboard's gonna get get stolen. Be careful what you're copying in and pasting places. Like these are things that are are common, but people are just starting to. Uh, Starting to get the limelight a little bit more. And, and you know I noticed. What? Hold on one second. I noticed Taylor, or Tyler. You, you've Just got your. You want to call him Taylor? I, I keep wow. saying Taylor. I don't know. Why. Um, you've got your blue shirt on tonight. You had your red shirt on last week. Uh, do we get the purple <laughs> shirt next week? Just. Oh, you can have. You can definitely have the purple shirt. Okay. Uh, when do we get no shirt though? That's what. <laughs> oh, how many I thought episodes that was supposed yet? to be this week. <laughs> Maybe when you come in studio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No shirt. Tyler. No shirt. <laughs> Security <laughs> Weekly. You know what the difference between pink and purple is, though, right? Strength of the grip. The grip. <laughs> <laughs> so I knew that one. Larry? I yep. knew that one. <laughs> How about Larry's number three story, my number four story? No, I wanted to talk about the Yahoo thing. Is that yeah? Your, that's, <laughs> okay. that's the one. That's the one. <laughs> as soon as I said that, I was like, oh, wait. No, no, wait, no. One, two, three. Yeah. Oh, one, two, three. Oh, yeah, four. it's the yeah. Yahoo yeah. one. Lee, All fuck. Right. Lee. Hold on. No, no, no. Lee, fuck it. We're going to talk about Paul's, the one that he wants to talk about. All right, let's talk I about I want to talk about Larry's story number three and Lee's story number four, and I want you guys to start that while I go grab another cigar from my humidor. Oh. Oh, shit. You mean we had to read these? No, I'm Oh, man. I'm he got up in the middle well, of the set, folks, because wow. I took his last cigar. Sorry. Wow. No, actually, one was damaged. It needs repair. No. 
Former Yahoo engineer pleads guilty at hacking 6,000 accounts and hunt for nudes. It's called Pornhub.com. Why is he hacking other accounts? Be I don't get it. But why? Yeah. Oh, well, Pornhub.com oh. and all those places, I mean, they've got the anonymous people. Mm. But the my understanding was the intent was that he was hacking accounts so that he could get access to accounts of his co-workers. Oh, and use it as blackmail? No, no, no. He, no. Just, he just wanted to see Susie down the hall naked. Oh, but I mean, yeah. I, he was he was credential sniff. He was looking for credentials that were stored to their Yahoo accounts to get into all kinds of services, and you know why pay for porn when you can get it for free? Wait a minute. I mean, um, wait, why get why pay for free porn when you can get it for from the free? The, but I the think and, 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 and get prosecuted for hacking accounts when I you can already know. get but it for I free. Think if you read this article uh, or one of the iterations of this article. It says he was targeting friends, family, and co-workers' account to find pornographic material. My right. thinking is the only reason like you would really do that is so that you could blackmail your friends, family, and co-workers. So I, I think that the media has portrayed this as this person who is a horrible person, or at least made a very horrible mistake, raised Daniel Ruiz, was really out to blackmail people. And really not out looking for porn. But the articles make it out as that Ray's was really out looking for porn. Where, as Matt said, like, you can just go to Pornhub to get... Like, my friends tell me there's porn on the internet, right? Like right. That. My friends tell me that all the time. Mm -hmm. Some I of them are in the, the office. for porn. Right. And, and so when I you know, I want to know how bad he was if he only got 6,000. Like, if he has Yahoo as his... You have millions search. of users. <laughs> what there was a th what but three three million accounts hacked in in Yahoo. But it tells me he right? was targeting he was targeting his friends, family, and coworkers, right. and limiting that to about a group of six thousand based on his search criteria. Right. But right. if he's going to blackmail him, does he really have six thousand friends and family? No, he, well, he just figured he had enough adjacencies. He sucks at making I mean, making well, queries in the database. Right. Time, is really what it, right. <laughs> and why the hell, that. if he was a Yahoo engineer, did he have to do password resets to get there? I mean, couldn't he have been smarter than that to get at this data? <laughs> seems yeah. seems well, the hackers got would to, notice their to, passwords being reset. Right. I mean, hackers got I think to what three billion down to accounts. Is, this is so. just a dumb criminal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this one's dumb. Oh, one's no, really no, no, no. The story's not dumb. I think this is a dumb... Like, all stories we cover... Where it's a dumb criminal, yeah. such as, since we're on the topic of porn, there was two individuals that were spotted on video surveillance breaking into a facility to hack the digital billboard to put porn on it. Wait, the A6 one? Uh, this is not in my show notes. This it's from, from Hack Naked News. This from is from this, earlier. Yeah, from Tuesday. Now, I, I just, I, and I want to put it out there in this show as well, that while we want to laugh and we do laugh at these stories because... It's funny. However, it's not funny if you're traveling in the car with your kids and they're seeing heinous pornography on the digital billboards. Also, if you think these prank, air quotes, pranks, which are really crimes, are funny, it's really not because you are prosecuted with very, very serious crimes. Mm -hmm. um, and the crime of actually, it's, it's very interesting, putting pornography or making pornography like available to minors or in public view is from what i read depends on your state or right. city or town probably yeah. like not a felony probably a misdemeanor right, right. It, it's it, like 90 days in jail it, or 500 in nevada fine. it's it's not much at all correct it depends but on where you live in utah it would be super crazy right, right? but 
<laughs> breaking uh, breaking into a facility, breaking and entering, committing a computer crime, CFFA violation, that's a felony. Yep. So not yep. only do you have the local laws to deal with, now you've probably committed, uh, committed multiple felonies right. just to pull off this, again, air quotes prank, and uh, I don't want to use the word prank, I want to use the word crime, this is a crime. It is not worth it to pull this off. I understand that you may be sitting around drinking and doing other things with your friends and going, that'd be really funny. <laughs> and some of your friends have the technical abilities and social engineering skills and lock picking and all that stuff. And they had hoodies on and sunglasses so they couldn't see who they are on video surveillance. And you could pull that off. You don't don't let your friends do. Don't make this. Ba- it's a right. bad decision in, in, all in, around for so many reasons. Don't don't let your friends hack. I mean, drunk. Right, right. Yeah. Um, this is Department of Justice, which means it's moved to the federal level. Mm-hmm. He faces a maximum sentence of five years in prison for one account of computer intrusion and a fine of two hundred fifty thousand dollars plus restitution. Mm-hmm. Now, if they find multiple incidents incidents of this then you multiply right those on mm. top of it and so this can get really really expensive but restitution could this. be again oh my god it could be millions again we've had uh, several lawyers on the show right and i'm not saying i'm a lawyer but if you're a citizen in your car with your children and they've witnessed this <sighs> restitution is a, a possibility i'm not saying i'm a lawyer right but that mm-hmm. could be a potential avenue for restitution my child was scarred and then you go put that in front of a judge or jury or yeah. even in a deposition dude that's not looking good for you as some someone who thought it was a good idea to pull off this prank i just want to put that psa out there to people like mm-hmm. i know many of our listeners have morals and values and carry those forward have been listening to the show and listening to us preach about permission and having morals and ethics when it comes to hacking if you can instill that in other people and stop people from doing ridiculous things like this, there are other ways to prove that the billboard is vulnerable. Number one, you should get permission to test these systems. Mm-hmm. Number two, if you are going to do it, don't do it in this way. Yeah, yeah. Don't do it in a public way. Prove some other way oh, yep. that, that, that this is possible. And, and again, even that, you're still... Accessing a computer system without permission, you're still likely going to be charged with a federal crime. And, and let's put it this way: if you want it, and if you are doing it without permission, and you are going to be charged with a crime, <laughs> won't someone think of the children? Mm. Like, do forever alone, guy, or I- instead of porn. Like, there's plenty of other ways to get your to prove your point, but prove right. your point, and get your right. lulls than porn. I mean, so I and I sympathize with security researchers, right? Because we've many, all of us on the show, right, and many of us listening, been in the security mm-hmm. community for twenty years or so, and it could be that you've been. And I'm not saying this is the case, but let's just speculate for a moment. You've been working as a security researcher, trying to work with the company behind this billboard, going there's there's vulnerabilities, there's vulnerabilities, mm-hmm. and they're just not responding. Yeah. And so your response is, well, I'm going to hack it, it myself and put something up. Why not just put, like, this billboard can be hacked on the side? That gets your point across without committing other other kinds of crime. I'm not uh, even saying that's a smart idea because you're still potentially going to be committing a felony yeah. if you do that. At the very least, you're going to be sued by the company and their ninja lawyers are going to come down from helicopters yeah. on, you know, on ropes. And, we and we saw this with airline security and some of the other stuff. We've covered yeah. some of these stories, right? 
some people got into some major trouble mm-hmm. trying to prove their point that some of these Wi-Fi networks on the airplanes weren't secure, that you could get into yes. the flight control systems. Nobody would listen, so he did it. But, and it's even but dicey think about if, all the ramifications it's even of that. Dicey if you release the information on how to do it. I mean, that's probably the safest path in the line of, in the context of this conversation is to say, hey, I evaluated the security of this particular digital billboard. I work with the company. They wouldn't respond. So you know what? I'm basically forced my hand. I'm going to release it to the public. Now, uh, I don't know. They didn't work out well for Snowden. (laughs) But yeah, but as far as I know, Tyler, in this context, that's not necessarily a felony, but you might Mm -hmm. be sued by the company. Right. Yeah, for, yeah. Very good possibility of that. Right. Mm-hmm. Very good Although, possibility. The company is yeah, probably yeah. gonna gonna. Or you'll you, you'll right? end up you'll end up in in Russia with Snowden. That, you know, that's the other oh. possibility. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's different, Tyler. <laughs> I mean, that's that was national government, security national stuff. security and secrets. All, all depends on who you're hacking. But yeah. I, uh, billboards and national secrets, I think, are two separate things. In the context of national secrets, I agree. If you're trying to make those things public, mm. you're going to end up like Snowden and be in Ecuador. Basically and, and exiled. Basically act like life. an asshole and get kicked out and go to go to Russia. Right. Yeah. In yeah. any case. You never, never get to go inside of a Hooters again. Yeah. Just pretty. like exile. Mm. <laughs> but maybe maybe you could have your cat bring Hooters in. Never mind. Whoa. Or you oh. could put the little pie on the cat, put it, let it go to Hooters and control it. and Camera. Yeah. Make camera. Never mind. Uh, Cam. The funniest comment I ever had about going to Hooters is a guy I used to work with, and he says, "Why want to want to go to there? Go there. I went with. I went to high school with those ganky girls. I know what they look like." Whoa. <laughs> That's Whoa. awesome. And they don't Whoa. even have very good wings. So no, uh, no. Yeah. I, I, Back I, in the like, day, wow. though, their wings Boom. were good. No, when you had wings and Dom, the Dom made up for the lack of wings. Lee, that's all yeah, I'm saying. But but breaded wings are evil. Like. I I used to like Hooters wings uh, in high school when we'd be like let's go to Hooters right yeah was, yeah. yeah you didn't like the wings it was a thing and you like the view and and now we can't go to Hooters here because it closed the Department of Health from <laughs> sources that I have locally Department of Health shut down the Hooters in Rhode Island okay yep. and it was right near the airport Matt so if you were like <laughs> yep, do some Google if I were like, stuck at the airport there. tonight there was a Hooters in the airport it's closed dude Department yep. of Health you don't too, want to eat there too many Hooters no. near the wings. No. <laughs> Uh, oh my! So many, so many, so many escapes. We okay. So we covered the the, the Yahoo thing. The yeah, both porn stories. We didn't cover the American Express insider breaches cardholder information. Oh, this I, is a Jeff uh, story I, I, because we'd have PCI said multiple times. Yeah, but and we'd I, but be I think but I think more. the insider thing ties to the Yahoo thing. It does because it's an insider thing. It's yeah. a, it's a former employee that so, took a bunch of credit cards, social security numbers, etc. Um, they were PCI compliant, though, Matt. Yeah. Well, they're they're the card brand, so they don't necessarily have to be PCI compliant. Well, they all do. I want to pivot do. in a different There's direction, a, but they can yeah. set different rules. There's a Twitter conversation uh, that I ducked out of today because I was busy, but it basically <laughs> culminated in us debating security versus compliance. Right. <laughs> yes. Based did you on, see this? Yeah. Yeah. Josh, the one that went last night for a Josh Marpet made in, uh, in, that that one totally went off the wheels. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to put words in Josh's mouth or Do it, put whatever. Else in but any in any case, and I want to. I want to have it on the show. But Josh said something along the lines of that compliance drives security, 
And mm-hmm. it, of course, I made all kinds of col- colorful kind yep. of analogies in that. And I, I just, I largely, Josh, I love you, but I largely disagree with pretty much oh. everything he was saying. But again, happening in the context of Twitter, I understand that, Josh. I've known each other for a long time, obviously. They, they will see the promo right, yeah, after, right, the, after, right after this, and we'll talk about aspects of that on the mm. new show. But yes. I think in my comment, which I thought was uh, really funny, because I laugh at my own jokes because I'm a dad and 42, and <laughs> I said, you know, like if security and compliance oh, were in a relationship <laughs> and I were to post that status <laughs> of social media, it would be it's complicated. complicated. Yeah. And Josh was like, no, it's pretty simple. And I'm like, no, it's actually it's really fucking complicated. Compl- it's actually yeah. really complicated. Super complicated. Yeah. Super complicated. Yeah. Because com- I don't think that, I mean, compliance drives aspects of security, security. but it doesn't right. necessarily drive full security. Uh, Jeff right. started it with a slash equals, and I'm like, no, it's a bang equal, not equal. <laughs> not okay, equal. First, right, not equal. Yep. Um, and that's right. where the, the, the kind of spin continues to even happen. in a programming context, it gets complicated. Because, like, maybe it doesn't equal certain attributes of the object Correct. we call security. Right? Just because it's you're complying. those attributes, maybe. Right. Right? It, just because yeah. you're compliant doesn't mean you're secure. The only so, reason compliance is around is is to drive security because we were not doing security well. So hey, compliance yes. is not. <laughs> yes. It, 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 it drives a, a certain level of security, it Tyler. Does. I'll go, definitely agree yeah. with you there. It, you, we, it, will de- it deals with the basics. Are you doing vulnerability scanning? Are you doing log collection? Are you doing file integrity mine? Are you doing blah, blah, blah? Like compliance but, can drive, security the, so compliance can drive the minivan that. that like drives security's children around, like right. aspects of security, right. Right. but not like the whole family. Right. Like, sorry. Well, yeah. It didn't happen that way. The, ju- right. the children still need, need to go to soccer more, practice. I need some more bourbon. The, the children to... still need to go to soccer oh, practice, sorry. and they need to score some fucking goals, like, if you know what I'm saying. Nice. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. So, they got to get out of the van, do their stuff. Yeah. 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 Agree. Well, I, yeah, I, I went off I the tell rails. You that there are there are people like my buddy Ron Ross who are trying to close the gap. I know. For, um, Actually, we're bringing Ron I didn't on. Say it's perfect, uh, and we're bringing Ron on to the new show. Um, I, no, look, I've known awesome. Ron for oh my gosh, uh, two thousand three, two thousand four, in the early days of NIST, um, and what yeah. became eight hundred fifty three. Um, yeah. And so we're actually going to bring him on because we're going to talk all things NIST on the new show. Uh, we are going to get Ron Ross on and have part of this conversation because he's been doing this for 15-plus years of driving some of these standards um, that are now part of the federal government. Lee, you deal with this stuff on a daily basis. Um, yes. But we also use that a lot because in the early days of compliance, this was the framework we used because it was the most prescriptive outside of PCI on giving you a set of uh, security controls that you could actually start to validate against and, and, and drive it. And, and, that, it's and more I think that's my point with Josh is that compliance is an aspect of security, not that compliance drives all of security. Correct. It drives portions of it. Right. This will be the fun debates oh. on the new show. I'm just telling you because yeah. this is where my expertise coming from security into compliance and then back into security. I don't think we've I ever. I see some of those We've uh, never put as gaps. much thought and discussion into the title of a show. As security and <laughs> oh, compliance, we oh my gosh, we debated that thing back it and was forth. A, it, and people just think, oh, like yeah, it just you know, yeah, came, wrote it on a whiteboard, and that was and that was no. It's very much about the balance between. Uh, yes, I, I love the fact that the new show, the logo has the Grand Theft Auto font. That is also very much <laughs> a subject for debate. Yes. Some are somewhat concerned that. 
Only it the is host. associated with a video <laughs> game that may or may not promote uh, various bad things. Fuck but I added the Fuck eyes, it. and now it looks good. Fuck so it. Just so, so Fuck it. I will That's say, what I say there. I think the logo looks it's, great. Let's put it this way. I, I heard some discussion about the whole Matrix red pill, blue pill thing, and that oh, the, no. the, those got taken over by various movements, and you know, fuck those guys. You can't take our geek culture away from us. So, right. um, so. Take, but, It's a Matrix reference. Yeah, you get, go look up yeah. Red Pill on the internet. And, what? Yeah. Red Pill or the Don't Blue do Pill? It. Which one? Don't, Don't do it. it. You're going to go in a rat hole. Good Lord. You're going yep. to get upset. Yep, you're going you're <laughs> to get pissed off. Cause they took but our, I'm not allowed they, to get pissed off because it's not politically correct, Larry. Haven't you seen? So take another drink, Paul. He's got it in his hand. Every time I we talk about this, I come back to Black Mirror and yes. the episode where you're scored on everything that you say. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember. Oh, I be Johnny I, probably I, knows the name of the episode. You and I would be in the toilet, dude. But, but, uh, uh, what is the episode where your you have Black, this rank, Black, Black, Black Mirror, Mirror episode, episode where you rank two or three? Yeah, where you ranked on everything you say and whether or not it's offensive. Nose dive yes. season three episode. Is one. it season three? No, he's it's like season a freaking it's season encyclopedia one. back then. It's of season Black one. Mirror. It's season Black one of Black Mirror. It's season one. I don't think it's season one. It came out. It's, after no, season it's one. it's season one. It's yes. Duh. All right. If you haven't se- hold on. If you haven't seen Black Mirror, like fast forward for like thirty seconds. It's the one where the end. She's in the jail cell and she's cursing, and the other person in the other jail cell is cursing, yeah. and that's how it ends. Johnny, you're right. That's it, nose dive. It, yeah, yeah, you're it's you're right. Dive. It's first season three, episode season, one. Season three, episode one. Yeah, you were wrong to question Johnny about I Black was. Mirror. He's an encyclopedia he back there, dude. With Black, Black Mirror and a few other episodes. Yeah. Yep. Nose shows dive. That is that is arguably one of my favorite shows on TV. Which it's my arguably my get. favorite episode because every time we talk about. Being politically correct or not, that's the episode that I think and of. That, that that's like where we're going, and that's right? and I am. It the, is. I am. I am the fucking truck driver in that episode. <laughs> like, How about White Bear? <sighs> so many Black Mirror Dude. episodes, I think, are very predictive of where we could go if we don't make changes in. Yeah. So so society. many. Um, yeah. Well, not uh, even one, get one, into a new it. season, season five, uh, Striking Vipers with the VR stuff. I haven't seen that. Would any, correlate. I haven't seen any of the new seasons yet. Oh, dude. But, I haven't uh, either. But um, I'm just I'm gonna binge watch. But uh, yeah, one of my favorite episodes that tied a whole lot of the other stuff together was Heavy Metal. And Love that, that that one is fucking terrifying. It's a lot of people's like least favorite. Which for me <laughs> is fucking terrifying. So, Tower's like what? What's TV? <laughs> His video's not frozen. That's good. Yeah, uh, Ty- Tyler, hey. if you ever get to go on site and have some time, uh, fire up some uh, Black Mirror and start uh, skip episode season one, episode one. Go back and watch that later. Uh, and I watched some of those. Oh, with Adam. Lord, the pig. Yep. And I watched some with Adam. Uh, he had never seen it before. We were at an Airbnb in Florida, and he was like, "What the." <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Picture Adam. I can hear picture, picture, picture Adam. Picture Adam. <laughs> what the fuck? It's, it's the Twilight Zone in the a modern technology, technology context. Hmm. Yep, pretty much. Um, <clears throat> Lee, I want to talk about the unpatchable jailbreak for all iOS devices. Oh, yeah. Oof. The impossible so jailbreak. Basically, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a jailbreak. It's a firmware vulnerability in the boot. ROM, so it's not updatable by uh, OS update, 
uh, everything basically before the iPhone 11. So, Which I, is, uh, so a what? lot of iPhones. So what, A12 uh, and earlier chipset? 4S to iPhone a, a, 10. Yeah. No, uh, 11. So no, I think it's 11. It was specific to the, the Apple chipset. The chipset matters, yeah. Yeah, right. and it's what, A12 and earlier. Okay. Um, and But basically, I mean, it, it's there is no fix. I mean, the, the, the fix is to get a newer device, but... The thing is, it's 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 a. It's well, hold not, on. It's now, Lee, hold on. Fix. I want to go back to that comment. That means we all have to buy 11. A newer device means I have to go buy an iPhone 11. Now, I have to say, mm -hmm. I. It's a great wife, marketing but, scheme but, for. But, but for my wife Apple. broke her screen on her previous iPhone, like maybe uh, about a week before the new iPhone release. I'm like, well, coincidence? I think not. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna buy you a new one and then do the whole cycle thing through uh -huh. the whole family when you have kids, right? And. Uh, the, it is the latest and greatest iPhone. The camera is absolutely amazing. The, the three, way the three? a lot of us can justify it, right? Like I have three, <laughs> I have three kids. My wife spends most of the time with the kids. She's documenting our children's mm -hmm. upbringing. So like, okay, I can justify the, he the went 11, not 11 pro. He didn't do the, did you know? I the did the pro max. You did the pro. Oh, yeah. so he's got the three. Well, cameras. cause it's, yeah, it, you got, but she doesn't like ask for a new phone every time a new one comes out. So like she's good for a, a while now. <laughs> yeah, right? good, like good me, three. like every time a new Pixel comes out, I'm like, Pixel Three's out <laughs> as soon as I can pre-order the yep. Pixel Four, right? But that's like, that's like what we do here at Security Weekly now, is try and keep up with technology. Now, now, now that said, the 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 big one, and I think where Lee was going to go with this is that it is a tethered exploit. Yes, thank it, you. It is yes. not something we can exploit, be done with. And every time you reboot your phone, you need to have that thing connected to the exploit. Mm -hmm. mm. It it also doesn't. Good night and happy birthday to Lee, so you can have birthday sex. <laughs> Hopefully with Shelly. Thank and you. Not with... <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and and not by himself. Not by yourself or with anyone else. Oh no! Be my recommendation. Shelly's got Shelly's got stuff going in the next room. I can hear and smell what she's cooking. She's lit the fireplace. She's lit the fire. It's 4.52. You got plenty of time, baby. No, no, no. It's 5.52, his time. Oh, are you my time? Yes, it's 5.52. And dinner is at 6. Well, his dinner was at 4, so he's like two hours late. Right. Well. Love you, Lee. Love you, Lee. Happy birthday. Have a good night. So, Lee, before you go real quick, I feel you on the getting old part. Paul made the joke he's... What, 42? 42. I'm going to be 45. I'm the answer. I'm going to be 45 this year, and uh, some some recent developments in my life, I had to go get my new glasses because these are falling apart. They, oh, I, I think you going to say new pills. Oh, no, I, I literally have uh, electrical tape and shit holding them together, and the paint's all off. You and need that, to get some pills for and, that. and the new glasses mm. are progressives. Mm. Yeah. Like, oh, cool. But, which is what they uh, the, the young kids call bifocals. Right. So I got yeah. bifocals. And uh, I had to go and get some x-rays done Tuesday, which is why I was here in the mm -hmm. studio for, to check out the new uh, go live of the show. Uh, and turns out the reason why one of my fingers is all fucked up is not because it was broken. It's because it's arthritis. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> and, and the next time I'm in studio, I will be turning 50 wow. later this month. Wow! So I'm the old. I'm an old fart, too. And you don't wear glasses or have arthritis. No, I have contacts, and one is set for... Near and one is set for far. <laughs>
Uh, See, I tweak oh. them in my contacts, not in my glasses. Oh, is your birthday, Matt? Oh. October 25th. I will be on the show Ooh. on the 24th. Scorpio Brothers on the, the 29th. The All 25th. excuses to drink really good spirits and wine. Oh, and yeah. We're going to have a good time on the 24th, boys. Join us. And with that, All right, guys. Lee, get the hell out of here. Happy birthday. I am getting the hell out of here. Yeah. Here take, comes go, my reminder. Yeah, yep. go, go take your pills now so you're ready for later. Happy birthday. Right. <laughs> takes takes 45 minutes to an hour to activate. <laughs> <laughs> she was tugging on his ear. She's tugging on his ear. It's like, time out. to go, honey. It's like, no. Go on. Like, <laughs> can you blame him? Uh, no. Two of the nicest people oh in the world. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Just wholeheartedly. Yeah. Um, so, what are we, where are we going next? I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know how much we got left. Did you finish the iPhone? Oh well, kinda. Oh, we should probably end the show. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I think and good. with that, everyone, thank you so much for uh, hosting the show with us tonight. Thank you, everyone, for listening and watching. Larry, take us out. Lee, happy birthday. Over and in and out, and in and out, and in and out. 